good evening, and welcome to Meet the Artist Interviews. I'm your host, Charles Chip McNeil, the Director of Education for the San Francisco Ballet, and I'm very pleased to be here on this Friday evening, May 4th, 2012, recording from the San Francisco War Memorial Opera House. Uh, it is a pleasure to welcome our listeners here in person and those who will eventually listen online. The Meet the Artist interviews, as well as the Points of View lectures, are available, many of them are available on podcast. And you can learn more about San Francisco Ballet, see behind-the-scenes video, and find those podcasts at sfballet.org. Well, tonight's guest is a delightful young man whose artistry transcends that of the ordinary dancer. And he is a shining star that has yet to be fully set ablaze. I wrote that. Thank you, Charles. Born, <laughs> born in Jacksonville, Florida, he trained at the Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, the Art of Classical Ballet School of Dance, Boston University, and Jacob's Pillow School of Dance. He has danced in Aspen Santa Fe Ballet before joining the ranks of San Francisco Ballet in 2007. Here, he has danced many roles in significant ballets over the last five years. He was seen in, um, as Arabian and Russian, Rat and Spanish in Nutcracker. He has appeared in Giselle, Romeo and Juliet, Coppelia, The Little Mermaid, and last but not least, Don Quixote. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome San Francisco Ballet Quarter Ballet member, Luke Willis. Hi, y'all. Thanks so much. So Luke, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. And I, I wanted to start out with this, this question, and this is, um, do you like doing interviews? Because I was told that you actually requested to be interviewed. Oh. And that, no, no, that's and that's a good thing. And that's a good thing. Sometimes we have to 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 you know, uh, kind of uh, get them to people to do interviews who may not want to. But in your case, you thought it was important that you do an interview. And so tell me about that. Well, I I do very much enjoy doing these interviews, Charles. I I find that it's an it's a great opportunity for me as an artist who is interested in more than just the physical aspects of my art form, but also the, the more meaningful and artistic side of my art form. I like this opportunity to reflect, to discuss, to um, sound out my own thoughts and philosophies, to share them with uh, someone else with an audience and to deepen my own understanding of what I do. I feel discussion is crucial. I love that because I, I think what you're really letting us in, have the insight into is that uh, there is a cerebral part of this. There is a reflective part of this. There is an esoteric part that goes into uh, why one becomes an artist, why one becomes a dancer, those big questions. And I like that, that you, you consider those things. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, so now, do you feel that doing interviews like this is a way to get closer to your audience? Do you think it helps to demystify the art form? Do you think it uh, brings people more into understanding dance and ballet? I would say yes. I don't know if it demystifies. I would say yes to everything but the demystification because mm -hmm. I think that even the more that we discuss it, the more there is to discuss, the more that we see it and do it, the more there is to do and see, and that it's ever growing, ever changing. However, I do think it's important to connect to the audience in so many ways. You know, art is nothing without an audience, in my, in my opinion, 
you know, I'm sure that's that's a whole other discussion debate that could be had. But for me, my art is about expression and sharing and relationships and and what I do has so much to do with my relationship with the audience and what I'm saying and sharing and expressing to them, for them, with them, you know, depending on the ballet or the experience or the piece of art that it is. So, um, so yes to all of the above except demystification. Okay. <laughs> so in, in that regard, do, do you use um, the internet, social media as a way to, to so espouse your, your beliefs and your, your, your ramifications? And do, do you think it brings you closer to your audience? And do you think it gives your admirers and fans uh, insight into your, your life? Um, yes, so I do. I am on a few social media platforms. Um, and I actually have another dancer here to thank for, uh, or two different dancers here to thank for my activity on that. They've really, um, they are also very active on social media. It's Maria Kochkova and Madison Kiesler. And I feel that um, my relationship with them has gotten me really excited about social media and its potential for interaction, not just with the audience, but with other dancers around the world, with other choreographers, with other artists, really just a way to connect. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's been really exciting. I think I was reluctant at first. I was very reluctant at first. Um, but I'm starting to find a way that it's, it's actually really exciting. You know, I have a Twitter account, at Luke Willis, follow me, um, which uh, is really great. I get on my news feed every day, I get the New York Times Theater, the New York Times Dance, and they are constantly updating. I follow Point Magazine and Dance Magazine. Um, I follow other dancers that I look up to around the world, and um, I also follow a lot of coworkers on Twitter, and I find out things about my coworkers that I wouldn't otherwise know, and it's, wow. you know, conversation opener for the morning, you know, for the day, <laughs> and, uh, a way for us to get even more of each other than we already get. Right. <laughs> it's been quite a bit of time together, that's, that's true. Um, I will also say I did a... Um, I actually did the first San Francisco Ballet at SF Ballet on Twitter, uh, the first Twitter view. Okay. And it was hashtag Ask a Dancer, and that was on Wednesday. I just did that Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and I spent an hour with the San Francisco Ballet social media mm -hmm. manager, and we, did, we took in questions both on Facebook and Twitter for just an hour. And I answered all of those, and you can wow. look them up now via the hashtag Ask a Dancer. And it's so interesting because I actually met someone that I'm talking to now about a future project and collaborating with on a future project that's uh, uh, a f potentially a film project. And um, I met I met her through this Twitter view. Wow. Uh, I also am still getting questions. Uh -huh. It was fun. My sister got involved, and my sister, my little sister, 15 years old in uh -huh. Florida, was tweeting at me, what's your favorite color, and all these <laughs> silly little yeah. <laughs> questions inter okay. interjected in between. Right. I, I think social media is a great thing. I think it requires balance. I think it's easy to become obsessed with these little snippets and to become a very, you know, like... Uh, and to lose, I think it's easy to lose the ability to focus for longer periods of time, and to, mm -hmm. and even to just kind of slow down. Right. Um, and unplug. And unplug. unplug and relax. Yeah, right. exactly. So I think that it it does have to be approached with balance too. Well, you you've actually mentioned something about following other artists and other dancers, and that begs the question: Do so? 
do you, you spend so much time uh, uh, preparing, rehearsing, performing with the company and other company members. So are, is that your, most of your world? Is that your, are, the, are you friends? Do you hang out when you're not <laughs> dancing? Do you have friends outside of dance? How does that, how does that work for you? How does that work for me? Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, we spend a lot of time together. We spend a lot of time together, especially between the months of December and May, up until May 6th, up until yeah. this Sunday. We spend really a lot of time together, and it kind of, <laughs> it's like, it's like having a family, you know, right. having siblings. Right. So sometimes y'all are best of friends, and sometimes y'all are worst of enemies, and, you know, different situations arise. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have a community outside of your coworkers. But I have to say that although I don't consider all of, I love all of my coworkers and I respect them all and I look up to them all as artists and I consider them all great acquaintances and so lucky to have them in my life. Mm. There are very few, a very select few that I would call my friends mm -hmm. or, you know, close friends. Right. And, um, and those people actually are, um, I do spend a lot of time with outside of the ballet, and we even kind of have similar circles um, of friends that are non-ballet dancers. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah. Good. Well, I want to shift gears just a little bit. I've, I've tried to steer away from the most typical questions that interviewers ask of dancers, but in this case, I, I do want to ask you about your uh, very interesting beginnings in dance. Uh, most students start ballet training somewhere between the ages of seven and nine years old, and a few start much later. Rudolf Nureyev, 17 years old, Martha Graham, 17, Jose Limon, 22, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Professional training didn't start till 15. When did you start dancing? I was 20 years old. That's very, very rare. That's very rare. How did, 20 years old, so how did, how did that come about? Um, I was pursuing acting and mm -hmm. the theater still. Uh, I've been pursuing theater and acting all my life. And I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, um, which is a town uh, that does not have any ballet company, really, or any dance. Uh, the dance there is, is very recreational, to say I guess the least or the most, really, <laughs> to really talk it up. and. Uh, I, so I, I went to an arts high school there for theater and was very, very much pursuing theater and musical theater and um, the ability that I could pick up dance steps and sing and new music was an asset to my acting. Mm. Uh, I ended up at um, getting accepted into the conservatory, the professional acting conservatory at Boston University. I was one of 15 to get accepted into that program, which was really amazing. And moving to Boston was a life-changing experience. Mm. Um, being exposed to the, the theater there and the music there and the dance. Um, I fell in love with Boston Ballet. Yeah. I was going to every show I could get to. I was buying, they have a student rush ticket that right. I think was 10 or $15. I was, you know, I was running out of classes off to the, the Wang Theater, which is where they were. And, um, and it really, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. So from there, I decided to enroll in both a dance and music minor. 
And the dance teachers at Boston University, they were modern teachers, but once they got a hold of me, they got their hands on me, they kind of pushed me really hard to consider being a professional dancer and primarily a dancer. And it was through that that I got accepted into the Jacobs Pillow uh, School, mm -hmm. the school at Jacobs Pillow, the contemporary program over the summer. And one week after finishing that program, I put in my resignation to Boston University, um, bought a car and packed it up and drove myself to Pennsylvania. Um, and fully on recommendations <laughs> from people that I didn't really know if I could trust or not. And it turned out I ended up at one of the most amazing schools, I think, in the world, the country for sure. Um, and I, I acquired an incredible mentor, Marcia Dale Weary, mm -hmm. through that experience. And two, after two years of training, I had several job offers. And I chose to go um, with the Aspen Santa Fe Ballet. And how long were you with them? I was there three years. I was there three years um, before uh, before sending in my my application information for Helgi, Mr. Thomason, to see and being invited to join the company here. Wonderful. If if you're just joining us, I'm in conversation with Corte Ballet member Luke Willis. And um, so, Luke, a as we now come to the part where you're at San Francisco Ballet and you look at the work that you're doing, uh, we've actually been able to enjoy you in this current production of Don Quixote playing Don Quixote. Uh, I saw you Wednesday night, and um, that's a pretty significant role for a Corte Ballet member. How do you get chosen for that role? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it is a, it's a character role. Okay. It's, it's an acting role. It's a primarily character and acting role. And I think that, um, I think I've had several opportunities to do character acting roles. The first, first sort of acting role that I did was my first season. It was Ibsen's House by Val Canaparoli. Right. And Val was so gracious to cast me uh, as second cast to Teat Helimitz in the Doll's House pas de deux. And um, that was amazing. That was really, because I came from a company where it was all very uh, contemporary and just so very abstract. And it was exactly what I wanted, was mm. to be able to take my dance, put a story on top of it and tell a story and to combine both my acting and dancing um, training and, mm -hmm. and abilities and skills. And so I think over time, you know, I've just had more and more opportunities. I did the concert. I was the first man in the concert, which was fun, great acting opportunities. I've been playing, I did Paris in Romeo and Juliet. I was uh, Paris. I've done uh, Wilfred and Giselle and I've just, I've had various things. Mm -hmm. So I guess five years in and after five years of seeing my my passion for doing the character roles, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think that's why he chose me Great. to play so, this role. So when we look at this, this ballet, Don Quixote, what is, what is significant about that role for you? And, and what have you learned from that? Or what ha how has it been in terms of artistically satisfying? Um, um, well, it... It, to start with, it encouraged me to pick up a book that I never would have otherwise picked up. Really? <laughs> I, read all, I read the first 600 pages of uh, wow. Cervantes' 
two-part novel. Um, so I read all of part one, and then I skipped forward to chapters 19, 20, and 21 okay. of part two, which are the chapters that the ballet is pulled from. Right. And uh, I never would have done that. And it's interesting because the first musical I ever worked on in high school was Man of La Mancha. Oh, wow. Um, and I was not Don Q in that. I was a freshman in high school, but I worked on that show, and I really looked up to the gen the gentleman that played Man of La Mancha, who's now a Tony Award winning actor and uh, really amazing resume and everything, mm -hmm. and working a lot in, on Broadway right now. He that show really inspired me. The message of this story and the novel, and being able to read this novel and 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 relate it to what I do for a living, really. You know, living in a dream world and mm -hmm. creating your own reality and shaping the world around you based on how you want to see it. And it just was, it's like, it, he just had this, this ability to turn everything really into the positive for himself, right? Into a justification of his beliefs and his and and who he was and who he defined himself as and and everyone around him it's so great i mean in the first part i my you know that i think the second part deteriorates a little bit but the first part of that novel everyone's stories are so desperate and unresolvable and yet as soon as he enters into their stories all of their stories are resolved Mm. And all of them find this sort of unfathomable resolution to their all of their woes of you know wanting to fling the, like uh, two days before they had wanted to fling themselves off a cliff or something and mm -hmm. um, it's just a really beautiful I think people with dreams and people who who have immense faith and and approach the world with a love for manifesting mm -hmm. their own reality and their own dreams is such a beautiful thing. Right. How lucky to kind of just delve into that, mm -hmm. that psychology and that, you know, that way of being. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, the richness of the story and your affinity to it is, is clear. But, you know, you, you've got a very rich source material for that. And what is... There's a quite a difference when it's a new ballet and it doesn't have such uh, source material and you have to really envision a character and create that from scratch. Is, is that more challenging or more satisfying? I, I have to say that I really prefer new ballets. I love working on new ballets. Um, because a lot of times, especially in, in nowadays the contemporary, you know, ballet world, a lot of it can be very abstract and without a very, you know, set, clear, intense through line or mm -hmm. character development or whatever, I I get to create it for myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to link all of the movements that this choreographer's uh, coming up with through my own through line and my own story of my experience with what I, w with this little vignette and moment in time that we're showing you on stage and, and that happens during this ballet and it's it's uh it's uh, it's more of a you know it's like a i can imagine it's what it's like for an actor who gets to do uh, a never before seen play or a never before seen movie mm -hmm. which which was my hope when i was pursuing acting was to work on new plays new films new things um 
as much as I have an affinity and love for the classics, mm -hmm. which I really do, um, I think that, that my affinity and love inspires me to make new, to change, to grow, to make new. My goodness. Well, um, they're good. Sorry. Long responses. No, I, I get, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of captured by your, by your, you know, inspired sort of ideas. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about like seeing you this season, and there were parts of the season where you seem to be performing in every ballet, every other night, and then there are times like now where you're playing a significant role in Don Q, and you kind of go on once or twice a week. So how is that to maintain your, 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 your you know, your fitness and your readiness to dance, and, and, and is that a little disconcerting, having such a fluctuating schedule? Um, it's not easy. It's yeah. definitely not easy. I have to, I have to just add to that. It's, it's actually not been every other night. It's been every night. Um, oh, up wow. until Program 8, Don Quixote started, I had danced in every performance of the season. Every single performance? Every single performance. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I was supposed to have one off and someone got sick, so I had to come in. Uh, and that... Um, that takes a lot of stamina. It does. You know, it takes oh a mental stamina right. more than anything. You know, we're all, we're all just re in really great shape. You know, we train for this. Um, mentally, it takes the stamina. It takes a lot of stamina, and that's something that we don't necessarily get a lot of training and and that's probably the hardest part is that how do you how do you manage your emotional life and your mental clarity and your ability to not take things personally sometimes or to um to give yourself enough me time to to have some of me to give to the audience right. when that time comes and then to also be able to satisfy choreographers and ballet masters and their wishes for and for your growth and for your, you know, um, attack of a role or of a ballet, um, that's that's the hardest part. I have to say that you know every year from from December through May it just is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. And about this week is when we all really. Um, actually, if you follow us on social media, you'll see that every one of us has tweeted about three times a day on Twitter that we cannot wait for Sunday to come yeah. <laughs> at this yeah. point. And it's not because we don't love being on stage. It's because our schedules really have gotten to a point where it's, it's overwhelming. It gets overwhelming at this point. Wow. You know, I, the time goes so quickly here. I, I just definitely wanted to ask you a couple of questions because... You know, uh, I know you have a big birthday coming up, and when you have a big birthday, he'll have to decide whether he's going to tell you what birthday it is. I can't do that. Uh, you have a big birthday coming up, and when we have these large birthdays, it makes us question, you know, what we're doing, how we're doing it, and what's next. And we know there's a very tenuous uh, time to be a dancer, and these careers don't last uh, very long. So what what is in store for you next? What are you considering? What, what comes next and, and how significant is this birthday? Uh, it's a really, uh, it's a really, that you're not the first person to ask that question. I've been asking myself a lot in the past few months. <laughs> um, I'm about to turn 30, which is 
really That's awesome. I think I think they're thinking really you're, they're thinking you're young. I know. You have a whole Everyone's life like, ahead you're of you. so young. And, <laughs> yes, I am so young, and it's it's like I'm a decade into my adulthood, and I'm starting to feel confident as an adult and as my own person, separate from my parents, and all of this, and defining myself, and really ready to embark on on a lot of things, but. When I think about it in terms of my career and my art form and my passion and my love, which is ballet, it's a rather significant age because it is a, it's, if, if I'm lucky, mm -hmm. it's a halfway mark. Wow. If I'm not lucky, it's, it's a lot less than a halfway mark. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm planning on being lucky mm -hmm. right now. And a lot of, but there are still a lot of concerns. So I, uh, you asked that over the past year, since I turned 29 or really back in 20, when I was 28, I started thinking, I actually started thinking about what I was going to do beyond ballet. And I started thinking, oh, I'll go back to acting. I'll go do film. I'll go do theater. I'll do Broadway or I'll do, you know, I'll go back to what I was doing before. And then I started to think like, God, I really want to, I want to make art. I want to. I want to I want to direct and choreograph which is what I started as when I was 10 years old and I first took my 5-year-old brother and we put on our first production I was the director <laughs> I was the writer I was the choreographer and yeah. I would you know we would do these living room shows and even in high school my my high school teachers didn't think I should pursue acting or pursue uh, life as a performer they thought I should they were pushing me to apply for um, directing. They wanted me to be a director um, because they saw that I had this desire to, to be on that creative end of telling the story and that, you know, to have um, just that slightly more, slight more input and conceptualization of the story and how mm -hmm. it's gonna be told. And um, I am really looking into that. So I took a film class last year, uh, CCSF, and my brother and I, you know, I actually choreographed, he wrote and directed and adapted a play of Dracula, which was produced in Jacksonville, Florida, where he's getting his creative writing degree at University of North Florida right now. And I choreographed for that. And since then, we've just been brainstorming all of these really cool projects. And we have a bunch of little films that um, we've made a few tiny little 30-second vignettes and stuff mm -hmm. together, just the two of us with a little you know, camera phone type stuff. Um, but we actually have a short film now that we're working on making come to life, hopefully during my layoff. Right now we're trying, you know, we have a, we have a really cool team that's kind of assembled around this screenplay that my brother wrote. And it's, uh, I think it's gonna be a really awesome, fun project. And it will be, you know, it will be my opportunity to say, oh, I, I can do this. Or to say, uh, that's not such a good idea. <laughs> I should spend the next 10 years right. finding something else, right. you know? Wow, that, that is very inspirational. And your brother is Sam. Sam, right. yes. Well, we wish you and your brother Sam much success. You are an easy interview, and <laughs> but and the time flies by, and we've come to that point in time. What do you have any final thoughts? I know. Uh, gosh, that's a lot of pressure. I know. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. It's very like the end is near. Um. Hmm. 
Can I think about it? You can. You can think <laughs> about it. I, I do want to say <laughs> thank that? you. Thank yes. No worries. No worries. I think you you have shared a great deal and meeting people like you, I think, gives the audience such insight into the real personalities and the humanness that's behind this great artistry. And I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to be here on your day off. And um, we wish you success. And we want to thank you all for being here as well. Enjoy the show. Thank you for having me.